You can have a seat. Amen. Exodus chapter 20 this morning will be our text. We are studying the Ten Commandments this summer. Ten weeks in the Ten Commandments, looking at a different one of the commandments each week. And so this week we find ourselves on the third commandment. The commandment to not take the name of the Lord God in vain. Perhaps like me, maybe you, you grew up in a home where... Uh, you knew that uh, if you, there were certain words that you could use that were automatic trouble, right? I mean, there were certain things that you, you just didn't say, certain words that you would never dare utter or never dare say. Uh, and in my house growing up, it was sort of the, maybe many of us can identify, it was sort of the, uh, the, the classic idea of, you know, I will wash your mouth out with soap, boy, if you use that word, if you say that sort of thing. Uh, and I never... Never put that to the test. I, I always took my parents at their word on, on that deal, so I never had to literally eat soap. But some of you maybe did, right? I mean, you, you were raised in homes where you knew that there was a line and you were not to cross it. And perhaps for many of us, when we, when we think of this command, what we automatically think of is not using the name of the Lord as a, a, a form of profanity. And, and although I do think that that is accurately a part of understanding this particular commandment. What I hope that we see today is in actuality, it is so much more than just not using the name of the Lord as a swear word. In truth, when we understand the name of Jesus and the power of the name of Jesus, it really, this commandment points us ultimately to the gospel because it helps us to see the power in the name of Jesus. Well, if his name is powerful, then it stands to reason that, that the name is powerful because the person behind the name is, is powerful as well. And so I want us to see the, maybe the fuller, the, 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 the deeper, richer meaning of this commandment, particularly as it applies to our lives as we study it together this morning. Let's read together Exodus Chapter 20, verse 7, the third commandment, which says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, in order to understand this commandment and understand what it means for us, I want us to begin by just simply looking at what it would have meant to the original audience. What would what would the, the Hebrews, what would they have understood this to mean, the children of Israel, as they were wandering in the wilderness and as God spoke this word of commandment to them? You remember we looked the first week, a few weeks ago in the study, about how in Exodus 19 we see that the, the children of Israel gathered at the base of the mountain and, and God said to Moses, don't let anyone come up on the mountain. In fact, if, if anyone touches the mountain, they will die. And, and so the, the children of Israel gathered at the foot of the mountain and, and like thunder from the sky, the voice of God spoke these words of commandment to them. What must they have understood this commandment to mean? We know based on our understanding of tradition and, and, and history related to the Old Testament scripture that the, the Israelites took this commandment very seriously. In fact, so serious were they that they not take the name of the Lord in vain that when they would come to his name in reading of the Old Testament scripture, they would not even pronounce his name aloud for fear of 
of violating the third commandment for fear that they might take the name of the Lord in vain. And so as they would read the Old Testament scriptures, when, when, when the scriptures would be read aloud in their gatherings in the synagogue and their worship gatherings, when they would come to the name of God, the personal name of God, which we believe today was, would be pronounced Yahweh, although we're not a hundred percent sure about the exact pronunciation for mom- for reasons that I'll get into in just a minute. But so when they would come to that name, they would not pronounce the name aloud. Instead, what they did is they took the letters of the name and they added in a different set of consonants and they invented a name, so to speak. So you you've heard me say before that when the Hebrew language was originally written, it was written without without vowels. It was all consonants. And so they would, they would write down words, they would write out scripture, but there was no vowel pointing, as we now call it in, in Hebrew. There was no vowel pointing added. That was added actually not too long ago in the, in the not too distant past by a group of scholars known as the Masorites. And so they came back and they added the correct pronunciation through a system of vowels that they invented that we call pointing. So they pointed the text. But when you look at an ancient Hebrew scroll, what you see is that it's all consonants. And when they would come to these letters, valve, uh, rather yod, hate, vav, hate, y-h-v-h, they would, they would say the word Yehovah. Now, the word Yehovah, or as we know it, Jehovah, is actually like an invented word. They took the consonants of the the personal name of God, Yahweh, and they added the vowels from from the word Lord, and they blended those two together, and they invented this word Yahweh, or I mean, excuse me, Yehovah, when they came to the word Yahweh. So in your Old Testament text, when you're reading and you come to a place and you see, as you do in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, you see the word Lord in uppercase letters, L-O-R-D, as it is in Exodus 20, verse 7, that is in the original language, the word Yahweh, or as later it began pronounced, Yehovah. And so they would pronounce that as the name of God for fear that they might somehow take his name in vain. They were serious about not violating the third commandment. When you read the Old Testament, this word Yahweh, or as we see it in English, uppercase Lord, appears 6,828 times in the Old Testament text. By comparison, Another word that is used for God, the word Elohim, which it does not refer specifically to Yahweh. It is the word for God. It is just the word God, but is used primarily in the Old Testament for the person Yahweh, for God. That word is used over 2,600 times in the Old Testament. And so there are these names, but then Uh, We also know that one of the other names that God gives himself in the Old Testament is the name I Am. In fact, look in Exodus chapter 3. We find a passage in Exodus chapter 3 where God has appeared to Moses. And he is speaking to him out of a bush that Moses sees that is burning but is not consumed. Exodus chapter 3, look at verse 13. 
Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to him? And God said to Moses, this is the name that God gave Moses to tell the people. I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Now, when you read that in the original language, quite literally the name, the, the, the word that is used there is, is just as it says, I am. It's, the, it's the, the first person singular form of the verb to be. I am, God says. My name is I am. I exist. I am. I am the one who has always been. Keep reading verse 15. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, now there's that word, there's that word Yahweh. And then the God of your fathers, there's the word Elohim. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So here, even in this passage, we find the names of God in one place. God appears to Moses. In fact, the very event that set all of these other events in motion so that the children of Israel would be now at the base of Sinai receiving the word of the Lord, the commandment of God that he was speaking to them. As God appeared to Moses, the burning bush, he says, when the, when the people ask you who sent you, you tell them, I am who I am. You tell them, I am sent you. The one who has always been, the one who will always be God. So when we think about what this commandment meant for the Israelites, they understood in a, in a very real, in a very serious way, they understood the commandment to not take the name of the Lord in vain because they understood that God's name was tied to God's being, to his character, to who he was. And to profane somehow the name of God was to make a mockery of the person of God. To profane his name was not only to deal lightly with his name, but was quite literally to deal lightly with God himself. And lest they violate this commandment, they, they took it ever so seriously to the point that they wouldn't even speak the name aloud. But what does it mean now for us? Because already... In the course of this sermon, I've used the personal name of God numerous times. Yahweh. There, I said it again. Right? I mean, so clearly we don't hold to the idea that we might somehow violate the Lord's command to not take his name in vain just simply by speaking it aloud. Uh, no doubt we don't want to use his name as a form of profanity, as a swear word. But, but as I already said, I think there's really so much more depth to this commandment that ultimately points us back to the, the, the very character, the very heart of God. So what does this mean for us? Well, I want us to see what I think are three ways that we can be guilty of, of taking the Lord's name in vain. And, and just as the children of Israel were very serious about not wanting to violate this commandment, not wanting to take the name of God in vain, I think it's important for us today in a modern context that we understand that we also are not to take the name of the Lord our God in vain. As I've said to you all along the way, 
in this study, and I will repeat it in some form or another every week along the way, I believe these commandments are still guiding moral principles. They are still governing principles of life for us as followers of Christ today. I don't think we can look at these commandments and say, well, that's the Old Testament law. Uh, In fact, Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 5 told us that, that anyone who would, would follow his commandments, follow these laws, would be blessed. And so what does it mean for us to live under this, the, 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 the commandment here to not take the name of the Lord our God in vain? Well, to consider that, I want us to look at three ways that we, that we do that, and, and each one of these is going to help us to understand this in greater depth. The first way that we take the name of the Lord in vain is is in misusing the Lord's name. Misusing the Lord's name. You know, the most, the most obvious example here is when people use the name of God as profanity. When they use it as a, a swear word or, or a cuss word. And that's perhaps the most obvious way that we can see using his name in vain. But I want to dig a little bit deeper even with this idea. Because it's more than just understanding that God's name isn't to be used as a, as a curse word, as a swear word. It's really understanding why that is the case. Think of it this way. When, when we use profanity, particularly if we're using God's name as profanity, it's, it's completely irreverent, isn't it? I mean, we take all of the holiness and the sacredness of who God is, and we strip that away when we use his name as profanity, when we use it as a swear word. J.I. Packer, in his book, Keeping the Ten Commandments, writes this, that when we, when we speak of God and his name with this kind of irreverence, he says, irreverence is speaking or thinking of God in a way that insults him by not taking seriously his wisdom and his goodness. Why do we not want to be irreverent toward God, even in the way that we speak of him or the way that we use his name? Because when we are irreverent of God, when we profane his name, it shows that we are not serious about his wisdom and his goodness. Why is misusing the Lord's name so important? Why is it so important that we not misuse his name? Because the the name of God points us to the very character of God. It points us to the very heart of who he is. In the same way in Matthew, we see that Jesus gives us this instruction in Matthew 5. He says in the Sermon on the Mount, again, you have heard it said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven for it's the throne of God, or by earth, it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. James, in James chapter 5, verse 12, James writes, But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, But let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. See, by the time of of Jesus and James and the time of the New Testament, the 
the understanding of what it meant to take the name of the Lord had evolved somewhat to where they wouldn't invoke the name of the Lord when they would take an oath. They didn't want to profane his name by invoking that name when they took an oath. And Jesus says, you've heard that it was said not to swear by an oath by my name. But he says, I'm telling you, live in such a way that your yes is yes and your no is no. James repeats that instruction in James chapter 5. Why? Well, simply because God is trustworthy. His character is true. His, who he is, his person is good and true and trustworthy. And when we, when we somehow profane that name by using it as profanity, by, by swearing oaths by the name of God, when, when, when we drag our sinful mess into the picture and swear the name of God, we misuse his name. We mis, misuse the, the sovereign, holy, righteous, omnipotent, powerful, majestic name of the Lord for our own personal gain, our own personal reason. Instead, we should live in such a way that our yes is yes. In other words, we should live in such a way that our words are true, that our, words, that, that our word is good, that others believe us at our promise. Why? Well, because God is truth. His name represents who he is as truth. But James also goes further in James chapter 3, and he says this, From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or grapefruit produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. The point of what James is saying is this, that our words reveal ultimately what is in our heart. And as much as anything, this is why we have to be so careful that we not profane the name of the Lord. Is because when we misuse his name in this way, it really, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't say anything about who God is. God is true whether we call him truth or not. God is just and righteous and holy and good whether we ascribe those things to him or not. It really says more about us, doesn't it? When we misuse his name in those ways. It really reveals what's what's broken and marred and sinful in us when we misuse the name of the Lord. Which really points to the, the second way that we take his name in vain, is that we misunderstand the Lord's name. And so misusing the Lord's name, misunderstanding the Lord's name is really a common struggle for us. We misunderstand the very power behind the name of the Lord. And in our misunderstanding, we take his name in vain. You've watched the TV show Antique Roadshow. The whole premise of the show Antique Roadshow is that people bring their junk to collectors of fine art, right? Collectors, uh, people who know a lot about people's junk, I guess. And the whole idea is that someone will look at your junk and they will say, is this valuable or not? They'll look at the stuff that you dug up in the garage or that you bought at a flea market or a yard sale or that, you know, great grandma so-and-so passed down and they'll let you know, do you have trash or a treasure? That's kind of the whole premise of the show, 
there's a story that in 2011 on Antique Roadshow, there was a guy from Tulsa, Oklahoma, who had these cups that were carved from rhinoceros horn. They were Chinese in origin, and he knew that they were valuable. In fact, he had paid about $5,000 for this set of cups, antique Chinese cups carved from the horn of a rhinoceros. And he brought it to Antique Roadshow, and his $5,000 investment was appraised between $1 and $1.5 million in value, right? That's like the ultimate uh, success story on the roadshow. $5,000 that turns into a $1.5 million prize, right? But the point was, he knew he had something valuable, but he really didn't understand truly what it was that he had. And, and that's, in many ways, kind of the premise of the entire show, is this trash or is this a treasure? You know, what happens so often is that we don't know what we have when it comes to the name of the Lord, which is why we miss, in, in, in our misunderstanding, we misuse his name because we don't understand the power behind the name of the Lord. But the ancients knew, the Israelites knew. Look at Psalm chapter 8, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Psalm chapter 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The ancients knew the power of the name of the Lord. And someday, so too will we understand. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 16, it speaks of Jesus' return. And in Revelation 19, you read about Jesus returning, and he's riding as the rider on the great white horse. And that that is representative of his returning in judgment. And we see in Revelation 19, verse 16, that written on his thigh is the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Someday, everyone will know the power of the name of the Lord. Philippians chapter 2 that we've already read together in our worship this morning. Philippians chapter 2 tells us this. Verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. There is power in the name of Jesus. Well, so often we misunderstand that power, don't we? And when we take the name of the Lord in vain, not only does it show that, we, that we've misused, that we've, that we've dealt lightly, that we've dealt irreverently with his name, but it, show, it shows a, a misunderstanding of who God is, of his power, of his majesty, of his worth, of his glory. Again, it really reveals more about us than anything. It shows the nature of our hearts. We misunderstand the power 
of his name. But also, I, I think we take the name of the Lord in vain when we misrepresent his name. And this one is one that I, I think perhaps will hit home for many of us today. We take the Lord's name in vain in misrepresenting the Lord's name. I was raised to know that my name meant something. Now, my name, my first name, Michael, literally means who is like God. In fact, it's just, it's, it's an ancient Hebrew name. You've, you've seen in the Old Testament scriptures, the, the archangel Michael is, is there and appears again in, in the New Testament. We, we see, well, the name Michael actually just comes from the Hebrew words, Mikael, put together, Michael. And it means who is God, who is like God. It's, there's, there's, there's something powerful in that name. But my, I was raised in such a way that I heard often, son, your name means something. Your name means something. And when you go out and people hear your name, they don't just think of you, they think of us, right? I was one of three boys, the middle of three boys, and we were raised to know that when we did something foolish, if we did something, something dumb, something that we ought not to do, that not only were we, not only were we misrepresenting ourselves and who we were supposed to be, but that we drug our good name in it with us, right? That our name meant something. The truth is that it, it really works that way with the name of the Lord as well. As children of God, joint heirs with Christ. We are his children. We are his ambassadors, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us. We are his representatives to this world, that people would see Jesus in us. And when we take his name in vain, we misrepresent not only who we are supposed to be, but we mis misrepresent who God is to the world around us. When we, when we, have, when we live with nominal faith, we misrepresent his name. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, pay attention to the verb there. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That verb take can be translated to mean to lift up, to carry, to raise, and even to wear. Now think about that. That we are not to wear the name of the Lord in vain. We are not to carry the name of the Lord in vain. We are not to lift up his name in vain. When we begin to understand that, it, it, it helps us see the, the real point of this commandment, that we would not misrepresent God, who he is, his character, his person, his work to the world around us. One of the things that I think is really a great problem in the, in the church, in our culture, particularly in our culture today, is the idea of nominal Christian faith, right? The idea of people who profess the name Jesus, but don't live a life that honors him. The idea of people who, who wear the title Christian as though it were like a, a political affiliation, but don't truly live under the banner of the lordship of Jesus Christ. But we know that there's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And along the way, 
as the representatives of God to a lost and fallen world. We are to shine the light of Christ with the way that we live. And anything less than that standard for us is taking his name in vain, is misrepresenting our God to a lost and dying world. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14, he writes, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Do you hear that? Paul writes that through us, through us, God spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere. In other words, people will know Jesus because they will see him in us. He keeps going in verse 15 to say, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, and to the other, a fragrance from life to life. We are to live in such a way that we are the aroma of Christ to those who are perishing. We are to live in such a way that our lives are a living testament to the power and the work of Jesus. That we represent him and his good name the way that we live with our actions. Why do we take seriously the commandment not to take the name of the Lord our God in vain because we understand that our lives represent Jesus to a lost world. And Christian, we ought to take that so seriously that when people look at us, what they see in us, what they see lived out by us will be what they understand to be true about Jesus. The world is full of people who claim the name of Jesus. The people who claim to know him, who claim to believe in him, but practically speaking, live as if there were no God. Our culture, our world is full of people who wear this label Christian simply for what it might do for them. What, uh, it, in, in a way that it might help others to think more of them somehow. But there's no proof, no evidence of genuine saving faith in their life. We ought to live in such a way that our lives are a living, breathing testament to the saving grace of Jesus in the same way that my father raised me Son, wherever you go, whatever you do, you represent my good name. We ought to understand that wherever we go, whatever we do, we represent the good name of Christ. And so we take this commandment seriously, that we would not take his name in vain by misrepresenting him in our sin and our foolishness. It's a call for us to walk in Humility, a call for us to walk in righteousness, a call for us to honor God, not just with our lips, but with our very lives so that we might give him praise. So we, we take his name in vain when we misuse his name. 
We profane it with irreverence. We take his name in vain. We misunderstand his name. When we simply just don't understand the power and the majesty and the worth behind the name of Jesus. And we take his name in vain when we misrepresent him to the world around us. I wonder today, as you think on these, where where do you fall in all of this? Where do you find yourself in this? Do you find that there are times when you are guilty of misusing the Lord's name? And maybe it's not, maybe it's not that you use his name as, as, as profanity, as a swear word, but maybe when you speak of him and you talk of him, you just simply don't, you just simply don't use his name with the, the power and the authority. You don't give it the reverence that it's due. Do you find that you misunderstand his name? Maybe it's that really what's on the inside doesn't match what is happening outwardly. You come to church and you, and you sing songs like, all hail the power of Jesus' name. And yet, practically speaking, what's in your heart doesn't match that testimony. Or maybe you find that you misrepresent the name of Christ. Maybe you find that your actions don't match what you, what you claim to be true. Maybe you find that who you really are isn't a good representation of who Christ is. We are called as the people of God not to take his name in vain, not to misuse it, not to misunderstand it, not to misrepresent it, but rather to live for him. In a moment, we're going to have a time of response and, and Honestly, today's message is really for, it's for the believer, right? I mean, it, it's for the Christian that we would heed the call to walk in a manner that is worthy of the gospel, that we would heed the call to live in such a way that our lives bring honor and glory to the one who gave everything to us, that we would not misrepresent him, but rather we would represent him well to a lost and dying world. But maybe perhaps you've heard all of this today and maybe what's struck you more than anything else is truly the power and the greatness and the majesty of the one behind the name. See, Jesus is worthy of our praise because he's, he's everything that we could say about him and more. He's all the great and glorious and, and, and honorable and holy and righteous and good things that we could say and even more. And maybe today, even as you hear me describing the worth and the power of the name, God, through the work of his Holy Spirit, is speaking to your heart, and he's saying, that name, that one, he gave his life for you. Maybe what you need to do today is surrender your life to him. Or perhaps you're here, and you find yourself in the midst of this commandment. You find that somehow you're misusing, misunderstanding, misrepresenting the Lord's name, taking it in vain. And God is speaking to you today and he's saying to you, I want you not to take my name in vain, but rather I want you to live in such a way that your life is a a, a living testimony to the world around you. In our time of invitation today, our altars will be open. If God is speaking to you, maybe he's speaking a word of conviction to you, then I would challenge you that you would come and that you would use our altar just to spend a moment in, in dedication to him. Dedicate your life. Dedicate your walk. Dedicate your example and your influence that you might live for Jesus. And if God is stirring in your heart in some way and you need to respond in obedience to him, our staff will be here at the front ready to pray with you and receive you as well this morning. I want to encourage you.
that you would take seriously the command of God, that you would not take his name in vain, rather, that you would live for him. Would you pray with me now? Lord God, help us to take seriously this call, that we would, that we would honor you, that we would walk with you every step of our life's journey, that we would glorify you with our lives, with our actions, with our words. Lord, may everything that we say and do be for your praise and your honor so that people would see you, Jesus, exalted in us, through us. We pray that you would stir in our hearts now, call us to a right relationship with you that we might live for your name and your glory. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.